Welcome to First Congregational United Church of Christ in Longmont. I'm Carlene Dancing-Wolf, and I serve on your uh, council. We extend a special welcome to any visitors and guests who are here this morning, and a welcome back to those who may have been away. If there's anything you need to make your time with us more comfortable, feel free to let one of the ushers know. <clears throat> Please utilize the Burgundy Friendship Pads located in your pews. You may also give updates to your contact information, comments, and questions are welcome. And for our visitors and guests to let us know who you are, feel free to pass the friendship pad back across the aisle so you can, or across the row so you can get to know your neighbors. <clears throat> and now please join us in our welcoming statement. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, As you arrive in this place, we invite you to take a breath and to notice in that breath the simple and the profound truth that God is here with you. That in this moment, you are supported by this community, by the pews, by the floors beneath your feet, and by a spirit that we trust is at work. Let us turn our hearts to worship and to prayer and to rest in the beauty of this moment.
let's remain standing as we join in the blessing of earthiness as it's printed in your bulletin. Be mindful that um, folks on this side are the left and folks on this side are the right. And let us pray together. Grant what we need each day in bread and insight, subsistence for the call of growing life. in us, for us, the possible, each only human step toward home we love. Animate the earth within us. We then feel the wisdom underneath supporting all. Grant what we need each day in bread and insight. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Marilyn Decker. I would like to ask if one person could come up and help me. This morning, it's not hard. Just help me unpack the one of the bags here. Okay, thank you, Parker. <laughs> so uh, these bags that are down front are are here to to tell you about them and to I ask Sarah if she would bless them before they're given out to the new residents in the MICA homes. So um, if Parker will bring one down and, and we'll just show you what we did. Um, there was $1,800 raised at the last rummage sale and all of the proceeds uh, were to go to the MICA homes. And um, so uh, Sandy Ostrander and I went shopping. <laughs> and it's our favorite thing. And, and um, we were um, told that we could spend $50 on, on each. Originally, it was called a welcome basket, but we kind of overflowed into a welcome bag. <laughs> so um, if you want, would hold up, um, this is a prayer shawl that our prayer shawl ministry made. And when we met with the new residents we found out their favorite colors and so we went into our our bin of prayer shawls and selected um, prayer shawls especially for each person and in this case it's a husband and wife and she loves blue and he loves red so that's how that happened And um, so in 
in this basket, which eventually will probably be a wastebasket in um, their bathroom or living room or something. But anyway, inside, if um, you know, just pull out anything. Okay, okay. Well, this is a little succulent that. Well, Sandy and I decided we wanted something pretty and something sweet in addition to really very practical things. And so that was the pretty. <laughs> and um, let's see what he pulls out next. That's um, bars of soap, practical, <laughs> and uh, liquid hand soap, and some napkins that a member of our congregation made. Um, and this is dish towel and hot pad. <laughs> Do you need help? No. Nope. Okay. We're good. We're good. Right, this is the sweet home, sweet home. <laughs> and I know there's a bag of, um, oh, this is a, a little cutting board. We, we dug deep into a clearance bin and found these little cutting boards. And um, reusable bowl covers, and um, cleaning cloths. <laughs> you hit the bottom, okay. Um, and so the overflow in the bag um, is some dishwasher detergent because every unit does have a dishwasher, and we didn't know if they were had even had a dishwasher before, so we wanted to make sure we had some uh, uh, dishwasher soap. You're, you're doing great, Parker. <laughs> and these are note cards that another person in our congregation made for them. I know what this one is. <laughs> we all know what that is. Um, and these are dryer balls that were made, um, and this is actually a project I'm going to start pretty soon, <laughs> making those. And these are um, hand-knit uh, dishcloths that another member of our congregation made, and a brochure about our church. Um, that's just another tote bag, and that, I think that is that is it. <laughs> so. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much, Parker. So also, um, Sarah asked me if I would speak about what it means to be a good neighbor. And so I kind of took it to mean what she meant about being a good neighbor to our new neighbors uh, in the MICA homes. Um, so the new Micah homes are physically very close to the church. So what is our role as a neighbor to these six units? I've met five of the, of the six new residents in my volunteer role as decorator, and I learned during these meetings of their needs and wants. As we toured their new homes together, I saw a small light of hope in their eyes and excitement and smiles. So surprisingly, at least to me, 
um, a strong maternal instinct kicked in. And I felt like a mother hen with six new chicks. And the desire to protect them and help them was very strong. However, these are not my chicks. And these are not our chicks. Um, Even though these individuals have been homeless or on the brink of homelessness, um, they have now landed in a lovely, safe place. They deserve their privacy, their dignity, and a chance to flourish in their own ways. So the in-between knows that we stand ready with open arms to help. And we have already helped. For example, when we put the list of needs on the bulletin board, you responded in very generous ways. When we asked for sheets, you chose warm, fuzzy, colorful flannel sheets. When we asked for towels and and bath mats, you chose beautiful colors. When we asked for doormats, you chose very pretty, yet practical ones. So these welcome bags and your gifts is our extravagant welcome. Just as we might take a plate of cookies to a new neighbor, now we step back and see what develops. I have a little pillow in my family room that says, little by little, day by day, Friends and flowers grow that way. Thank you.
as we continue the blessing that the bells in Maryland have so beautifully begun, I would invite you in the tradition of the church to imagine the blessing that flows in you and through you, and with that in mind, to hold your hand out toward the bags that are up front, and you can hold it this way as you imagine the blessing that flows down, or this way as you imagine the blessing that comes out for each of us. God, as we bless these bags, let always your love overflow the containers that we imagine for it. May your love stretch beyond the practical and into the lavish. And may those who receive and those who give know your love deeply. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite any of the children who would like to join me for children's worship to meet me right in the back. We will go down to room 12 and we will return to the sanctuary before the service ends to make it easy for you to find your grown-ups and connect before fellowship time. seated. Our parable series takes us from last week's agricultural image of mustard shrubs to the once essential and now optional task of making bread. Any bread makers here this morning? Yeah. Excellent. 
I was well acquainted with the art of cooking, but baked goods always arrived at my home fully formed and ready to eat. And it wasn't until moving to Colorado that we began to seriously dabble in the world of yeast and leaven. It's been a wonderful experiment. In antiquity, there were no little packets of yeast or boxes of bread mix, no pizza dough or Pillsbury crescent rolls in the refrigerated section. Sourdough starter is what folks used to make bread. It was a staple of everyday life. If you've worked with sourdough starter, you know that it needs to be fed regularly to keep the yeast and bacteria alive. And any contaminants that get into that can wreck, can wreck your starter and you have to start again. And if the practice of feeding is successful, though, the starter can last for years and it can be handed down from generation to generation. This reminds me of not the sourdough starter, but the friendship bread. Have you ever received that friendship bread from folks? Yeah, it's good for about a Usually works a couple times. For, our, for the non-bakers. Bakers, I'm, I'm sure you're much better at that. Well, in our scripture lesson this morning, we will hear that yeast and leaven have both positive and negative connotations. So let's listen to these passages from the Gospel of Matthew. The first reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 33, excuse me, chapter 13, verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And the second reading is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you taking excuse me, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. It matters where we begin when it comes to the art of bread making. Three measures of leaven is the equivalent of 40 to 60 pounds Pounds. That's a lot of bread. In other words, God's dream is really big and it overflows and can't be contained in those bags. And the second reading asks us to consider which teachings serve as our platform or the sourdough starter. Now, it's not so much that the other two groups that were mentioned were wrong. It just wasn't the teachings that Jesus was sharing. There's room for multiple teachers and multiple truths in our world. 
because at their root we can see the goodness in all world religion traditions. So please do not see this as Jesus coming and finally getting it right. It's Jesus coming and offering another option, the option that people who identify as Christians now or people who are willing or wanting to follow the teachings of Jesus will ascribe to. In small villages around the world, it's common to have a communal oven for, breaking, for baking bread. Each morning, prepared dough would be brought to the baker, and at midday, the baked bread would be picked up. One day, a tourist came upon the communal oven and was intrigued. And each day for about a week, the traveler would stop and just observe the rhythm of dropping off dough, baking, and picking up bread as people came and went and as the smell of the bread wafted through the village. Around day four, the guests noticed that the baker always seemed to know which loaf belonged to which family. There were always familiar conversations exchanged between the villagers, but never any need to point out which loaf belonged to the person who came to pick it up. There were no tags, no designated spots on the counter. Even the cloth that covered the dough from day to day changed. The traveler was heading home the next day, and he just couldn't leave without asking the baker about this curious knowing that the baker possessed. And when asked, the baker smiled in a way that was kind, even though the answer was quite obvious. Each dough, like each person, was distinct in texture, color, shape, and size. The baker knew the dough because the baker knew the family. St. Augustine said, We become the bread that we eat. And I would add, we also eat the bread that we make. But what if the bread we eat is not our family bread? If the baker can tell by looking and touching, surely we would be able to tell as well, right, if something got mixed up or if someone was playing a little trick on us. But what if for most of our lives all we knew was this loaf that was not intended for our consumption? then the family loaf would be the one that seemed off. What we start with really does have an impact. In other words, what seems normal and tastes familiar becomes our daily bread. And we not only consume it, we feed it and pass it along to future generations without effort. It's who we are and what we do until something interrupts this cycle. And here's how I've seen this cycle and interruption play out in church tables. I don't know exactly how it happened here because I wasn't here. But I'm going to combine stories from a bunch of different churches, and I bet parts of it are going to be familiar. So when it comes to communion, if you've been coming to tables like this for more than 15 years... I'm guessing it started as bread with the crust cut off into little cubes. So no crust, some kind of simple bread 
cut into little cubes. Does that sound familiar? No? What was your bread? Wafers. Oh, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So, so the wafers are very distinct. Okay? So that instead of the little cubes, you have the round little wafers that stick to the top of your mouth, no matter what you do. But that's it. That's the bread. And for the most part, that hasn't changed much. They do make whole wheat now. I am familiar with that. So here we go. We're walking through business as usual. And all of a sudden, someone says, I can't eat wheat. It makes me sick. Oh, I guess you can't take communion. And that might fly for a short period of time. But then eventually someone's going to say, how about if we serve something that's gluten-free? Now remember, we're spanning years here. And they say, okay, we can, how will we do that? We'll get a separate plate. Or maybe we'll just put it on the plate next to it. But then someone else comes and says, you know what, even if it touches, that's not, that doesn't work for my system. It makes me sick. Oh, okay, we'll get a separate plate. Or we'll put a little dish in the middle of the plate with a gluten-free, and then we'll put the stuff with gluten on the outside so everybody will know what's what. Oh, that happened here, didn't it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some churches stop there, and, and that works for people. But some churches like this one said, you know what? Let's just all eat from the same loaf. So for the people who do not require gluten-free bread, you know, that one little morsel each month is really not going to harm you, even though sometimes it tastes like sand. You know, we can deal with this. It's a sacrifice for our brothers and sisters who cannot handle it. And, you know, who knows when, but probably like two years ago, folks learned you can't freeze that bread because that makes it worse. And not every congregation has the Bronsky family which you can't even tell it's gluten-free. How blessed and how fortunate are we? But you can see how those conversations might have been difficult because along the way, people are like, I can't believe that really makes a difference. Like, you know, why can't, why can't the people who can't do gluten just have that one little cube? Again, trying to stay with what's familiar rather than giving the attention to the person that has that distinct need and everybody else eating a different kind of bread. It's like, are you sure we can't fit you in that little container that we have so carefully crafted and we call our own? There's a really important distinction between a preference and a problem. A health matter is a problem that needs to be tended to and needs attention. There's an important distinction between the familiar and the toxic. If a substance is toxic for someone, we need to pay attention. Consider the bread that fed the domination of indigenous tribes. Consider the bread that fed the enslavement of brown and black-skinned people. 
that then led to mass incarceration and now mass detaining. Consider the bread that fed the belief and practice that violence will lead to peace. Now perhaps you're starting to feel a little like, ooh, this doesn't feel so good. I don't think we were designed to consume that bread. Nor were we designed to consume the bread that fed the diminishment and dismissal of folks who are struggling to meet basic needs. I mean, perhaps there's other examples that are coming to mind for you. I know I made a pretty quick leap from the funny gluten-free story to this story of these other loaves that we've been fed, particularly in this country, that have been toxic and painful for so many. And the people that stand up and say, this is making me sick, you say, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay now. It's not. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When he came onto the scene, a new starter option emerged. It was a religion that rose up to support the ways of life and love and of justice and of peace. And for some, it was not a welcome addition. But for others, it was what they had dreamed of and longed for, the bread that satiated deep hungers and fed dreams, the nourishment that healed and heralded new possibilities, the loaf of love that empowered and expanded the wide embrace of grace. This is the bread we share each month from our church family table. Come next week and you can taste it for yourself. It's also the bread we share from our happy hour table where community is formed and nourished and strengthened and all the other tables that are part of our lives. Dining rooms and kitchens, lunchrooms and restaurants, countertops and coffee shops, picnic tables and mountaintop tables. We become the bread that we eat and we eat the bread that we make. What kind of bread are you making? What kind of bread are we making and inviting others to eat? And how will we know if we're creating and eating the bread of life and love? How will we know if we're creating and eating the bread of justice and of peace? That ought to give you something that you want.
once again a beautiful prayer offered in music. And let's join our voices now to continue our prayer with the Jesus prayer as it's printed in our bulletin. O thou, the breathing life of all, in the roar and whisper, in the breeze and the whirlwind, we hear your name. Help us let go, clear the space inside, creating a holy place within for your light to shine. Unite our I can to yours, so that we walk as stewards with every creature. Your heart's fervent desire then acts with ours. As in all sound and light, so in all creatures on the earth. Give us the food we need to grow through each new day. Produce in us the wisdom and understanding we need at each new stage of our lives. Help us to let go of our past, the hidden guilt of our failures, just as we consistently release others of the knots of their guilt. Let us not become lost in busyness, in the surface appearance of things, but free us from what holds us back. May abundance, fertile power, and glorious harmony return again and again in each new age. May this be the ground from which all our actions grow. Amen. And may peace also be the ground from which all of our actions grow. And now I invite you to share with one another some words or gestures of peace. May the peace of Christ be with you all.
No, that's like leads to a tape down. I was going to come around the other way, but I was already here, so. All right. Okay, we just have a couple of announcements. One is that the Boy Scout troop will be selling spaghetti supper tickets outside here. So if you're up for that, go for it. And John Parson has an announcement that he'll make it from the pew. Okay, John will be making that announcement from up here. <laughs> I'll stand here with you. Wednesday, Times Call, Lucky's Market closing. Friday's Times Call, this uh, Saturday's Times Call, front page. 32 locations out of 39 of the corporation are closing. Ours is closing in a couple of weeks. Now, I have five remaining $50 gift cards. Each, each card has cost us already $45. There's a $5 difference. That's our commission. I'd love to sell these to maybe five individuals after church today. I was in the store yesterday. The meats are gone. Much of the produce is gone. And all the other stuff appears to be available. I'd like to just sell one to each person. And then, for those of you who want a second card, back of the line, and you can have a second card. Thank you. Right. The, the North Store, the North Store in Boulder is open. And the Fort Collins store is open. And the other tidbit I picked up this morning is the reduction in prices as of today is down to 50%. Yesterday it was 25%. Thank you. So it's a great time to stock up on vitamins and supplements because they'll be marked way down. Thank you. Uh, good morning again. My name is Matt, um, and uh, this Sunday Sarah asked me to do the you know welcome to offering, and I've been thinking about what I'm going to say to welcome you to, to do offering, and um, I thought I'd share a, a story that's, that's significant to me. Uh, I'm a firefighter for the city of Boulder. Um, my dad's a retired firefighter for the city of Boulder, and January 26, 1982, is a significant day for Boulder Fire. Uh, and fire service across the nation. Um, about 10.20 in the morning, 38 years ago today, two firefighters lost their lives in a training accident. And that live fire training accident changed the way the fire service trains um, to this day. It's a, we have a national standard, so when we do live fire training, which is um, as real as it gets for us, we, we have certain measures in place uh, to keep firefighters safe so um, we can learn to, to save others. Um, so while it's tragic and we don't forget that day, um, and, you know, some good came of it. 
And a, a, a Bible verse that's always shared with firefighters and um, is from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. I've been, I think about that verse a lot and you know my role in the community as a firefighter, but when Sarah asked me to introduce offering, I thought about it, and it doesn't have to just be with that. And if I think about the Lord saying, who will go for us and who will help the homeless, who will help the hungry, who will help the people battling substance abuse, whatever it is, this church is saying, here we are, send us. So when we give our offering, whether it's cash or card or coin, um, that money we put in here extends the mission of this church within these walls, but really in this community, in this nation, and around the world. So whatever you give and you give generously, know that the mission extends beyond these walls. So again, I think about it. This church is saying, here we are, send us. Thank you. when you go, wherever you go, go forth in the love of God. Go forth with hope and joy, trusting that our God, who is the bread of life, goes before you to light your way. That this same God, who is your bread of life, is also behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over you, and within you to give you what you need and to bring you peace. So go forth now in that peace and be the bread of life that the world needs. Amen. Mm-hmm.